This is the Metaphysical Theater Podcast on Anchor FM, today or now we consider reading the Bible. While reading scripture, always bear in mind that it is a story of salvation and not secular history, that the characters from Adam to Jesus are states of consciousness. In Blake's Visions of the Last Judgment, he said, it ought to be understood that the persons Moses and Abraham are not here meant, but states signified by those names as they were revealed to mortal man in a series of divine revelations, as they are written in the Bible. Having seen the entire play, Blake added, when you see them from afar they appear as one man, but as you approach they appear as multitudes of nations, as the one man becomes the many. The first five books of the Bible are called the Torah, or the Law, with Abraham as the symbol of the beginning of civilization. But the outstanding character recorded there is the infinite, eternal state called Moses. The word Moses is the old perfected, form, of the Egyptian verb, to be born, so it is in the state of Moses that something is to be born. Now, at the end of the Torah we are told, Moses, the servant of the Lord died and the Lord buried him, but no man knows the place of his burial to this day. Deuteronomy 34, why? Because Moses is buried in you. Today people try to perpetuate the identity of every prominent person in some mausoleum. In our country, daily trips are made to the graves of our presidents. I am told that there is not a day that Kennedy's grave is not covered with flowers, as people cry and pray there. So we know the burial place of our presidents and heroes but no one knows the burial place of Moses. Representing the future of Israel in germinal form, it is in Moses a state buried in man that God's plan of redemption is revealed. In my imagination is all certain reward and love. In the world of flesh all confusion and hate. My salvage is complete by continued attention on Christ, in Christ, through Christ to be as Christ. Being as God is being now. Now, an Israelite is not a descendant of Abraham after the flesh, but the elect of God of any nation. Whether you be a Jew, Christian, or Mohammedan, Moses the future of Israel in germinal form is buried in you. And the word, Israel, means to rule as God. Having seen the entire pattern of God's plan in the mountain, Moses returns and speaks to the people in the first-person present tense, saying, I am the Lord who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods besides me. Having said this, Moses reveals God's name as I am. He did not say, I am Moses and the Lord, but I am the Lord. Recognizing his true identity, Moses begins to do wonderful things, called signs. Giving Moses the rod of God, the Lord said, put upon it the fiery serpent, and everyone who sees it, whether he be ill or distressed, if he believes, he is healed. All of this beautiful imagery is literally true when God's plan begins to unfold in you. We are told that Moses could not enter the promised land, that Joshua filled with the spirit of wisdom entered and the people followed. Joshua is the Hebraic word for Jesus. Moses could not enter because he is God's plan in germinal form. Joshua is its unfoldment, as the word says, I am the Lord your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior and besides me there is no Savior. The plan unfolds in Joshua in the Old Testament, and Jesus in the New. If Joshua is filled with the wisdom of God, and Christ is defined as the power and wisdom of God, are they not one and the same being? God's glorious wisdom in germinal form saves Israel by pulling the one being out as the germ erupts. Then the man in whom it happens experiences the signs and wonders recorded in scripture in a literal manner. Who would have thought that the rod of God with a fiery serpent on it was literally true, yet I know it is the state you will experience as you enter the promised land. I do not care how. The Lord spake by me, and his word was in my tongue. The mouth of God is the mind of man. Feed God only the best. Whatsoever things are of good report, think on these things. 
the present moment is always precisely right for an investment, to inwardly speak the right word. The word is very near to you, in your mouth, and in your heart, that you may do it. See, I have set before you this day life and good, death and evil, blessings and cursings. Choose life. You choose life and good and blessings by being that which you choose. Like is known to like alone. Make your inner speech bless and give good reports. Man's ignorance of the future is the result of his ignorance of his inner talking. His inner talking mirrors his imagination, and his imagination is a government in which the opposition never comes into power. The imagination is a kingdom never overthrown. Within me, I choose this thing I love and know. If the reader asks, what if the inner speech remains subjective and is unable to find an object for its love? The answer is, it will not remain subjective, for the very simple reason that inner speech is always objectifying itself. I am the ambassador of opulence. What frustrates and festers and becomes the disease that afflicts humanity is man's ignorance of the art of matching inner words to fulfilled desire. What soothes and heals like a balm is the ease I have chosen, eternal life. Matching exactly my endless love. Inner speech mirrors imagination, and imagination is Christ. Alter your inner speech, and your perceptual world changes. A radical inner change as though I am not who I was but born again and so altered so unrecognizable to myself, I know that the memory of my former self has died. Whenever inner speech and desire are in conflict, inner speech invariably wins. Because inner speech objectifies itself, it is easy to see that if it matches desire, desire will be objectively realized. Not will be but is. With this not so, I would say the same with Blake, that I would sooner murder an infant in its cradle than nurse unacted desires. No child have I stolen from this grace unto ourselves. Even no agreement of such a possibility but perhaps to draw you a crayon picture to hang on your refrigerator. But I know from experience. The tongue setteth on fire the course of nature. It is within, rivers, mountains, cities, villages, all are human, and when you enter into their bosoms you walk in heavens and earths, as in your own bosom you bear your heaven and earth and all you behold, though it appears without, it is within, in your imagination, of which this world of mortality is but a shadow. Blake, Jerusalem. The inner world was as real to Blake as the outer land of waking life. He looked upon his dreams and visions as the realities are the forms of nature. Blake reduced everything to the bedrock of his own consciousness. The kingdom of heaven is within you. The real man, the imaginative man, has invested the outer world with all of its properties. The apparent reality of the outer world which is so hard to dissolve is only proof of the absolute reality of the inner world of his own imagination. No man can come to me, except the Father which hath sent me draw him, I and my Father are one. The world which is described from observation is a manifestation of the mental activity of the observer. When man discovers that his world is his own mental activity made visible, that no man can come unto him except he draws him, and that there is no one to change but himself, his own imaginative self, his first impulse is to reshape the world in the image of his ideal. But his ideal is not so easily incarnated. In that moment when he ceases to conform to external discipline, he must impose upon himself a far more rigorous discipline, the self-discipline upon which the realization of his ideal depends. Imagination is not entirely untrammeled and free to move at will without any rules to constrain it. In
William Blake one who is very much delighted with being in good company, in London and has died several times since. And that has no real bearing on my own salvation. And now I become concerned only with myself and no other seemingly separate form. On hand hand liberating and free, on the I am lonely for God, and Jesus may be like me and within me, they are not flesh and blood. When man has the sense of Christ as his imagination, he sees why Christ must die and rise again from the dead to save man why he must detach his imagination from his present state and match it to a higher concept of himself if he would rise above his present limitations and thereby save himself. Here is a lovely story of a mystical death which was witnessed by a neighbor. Last week, writes the one, who rose from the dead, a friend offered me her home in the mountains for the Christmas holidays as she thought she might go east. She said that she would let me know this week. We had a very pleasant conversation and I mentioned you and your teaching in connection with a discussion of Dunn's experiment with time, which she had been reading. Her letter arrived Monday. As I picked it up I had a sudden sense of depression. However, when I read it she said I could have the house and told me where to get the keys. Instead of being cheerful I grew still more depressed, so much so I decided there must have been something between the lines which I was getting intuitively. I unfolded the letter and read the first page through and as I turned to the second page, I noticed she had written a postscript on the back of the first sheet. It consisted of an extremely blunt and heavy-handed description of an unlovely trait in my character which I had struggled for years to overcome, and for the past two years I thought I had succeeded. Yet here it was again, described with clinical exactitude. I was stunned and desolated. I thought to myself, what is this letter trying to tell me? In the first place she invited me to use her house as I have been seeing myself in some lovely home during the holidays. In the second place, nothing comes to me except I draw it. And thirdly I have been hearing nothing but good news. So the obvious conclusion is that something in me corresponds to this letter and no matter what it looks like it is good news. I reread the letter and as I did so I asked, what is there here for me to see? And then I saw. It started out, after our conversation of last week, I feel I can tell you and the rest of the page was as studded with wares and waces as currants in a seed cake. A great feeling of elation swept over me. It was all in the past. The thing I had labored so long to correct was done. I suddenly realized that my friend was a witness to my resurrection. I whirled around the studio chanting, it's all in the past. It is done. Thank you, it is done. I gathered all my gratitude up in a big ball of light and shot it straight to you and if you saw a flash of lightning Monday evening shortly after 6 your time, that was it. Now, instead of writing a polite letter because it is the correct thing to do, I can write giving sincere thanks for her frankness and thanking her for the loan of her house. Thank you so much for your teaching which has made my beloved imagination truly my saviour. And now, if any man shall say unto her lo, here is Christ, or there, she will believe it not, for she knows that the kingdom of God is within her and that she herself must assume full responsibility for the incarnation of her ideal and that nothing but death and resurrection will bring her to it. She has found her saviour, her beloved imagination, forever expanding in the bosom of God. There is only one reality, and that is Christ's human imagination, the inheritance and final achievement of the whole of humanity. That we speaking the truth in love, may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Creation is finished. I am the beginning and
Should I say here that you watching me and thinking you know is quite hilarious. Good luck. Law of Attraction Haven Chapter 7. Righteousness. If you have an objective and fail to achieve it you have sinned, for you have fallen short of your desire. But if you have no desire, you are incapable of sin. Ning. The righteous man, however, being conscious of already having fulfilled his objective, cannot sin. In the book of Daniel we are told to, break off your sin by righteousness. This, has nothing to do with any church or ritual, for righteousness is right thinking. In the book of Genesis the story is told of Jacob's desire to increase his wealth. Lifting his eyes in a dream he beheld the spotted lambs, the ring-striped goats, and cattle. Then he said, I will hold on to my righteousness and not let it go. So shall my righteousness answer for me in time to come. Follow Jacob's example. Lift up your eyes with a controlled imagination and see what you want to see. Believe in your vision and your faith will make it solid and real in your manifested world. While sitting in your chair, you can assume a state of consciousness you desire to possess even though your reason in outer senses deny its reality. Then, as Jacob, you can say, my righteousness shall answer for me in time to come. Jacob knew that he could not become perverse and turn from the new state but that if he maintained a conscious of having what reason denied, including the law of genetics, he would achieve his goal. God the Father is not a man, but the dominant idea that you serve. The mys of your idea are those of your own household, your own thinking. Hold a dominant idea in your consciousness and, in a way you do not know your right. Eusness, right thinking, will cause the desired state to externalize itself in your world. A Pharisee is one who conforms to all man-made laws, one who strictly owes serves the Levitical law of outer purification. Now we are told, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. But seem ye first the kingdom of heaven and its right, eusness, and all these things shall be added unto you. True righteousness is consciousness. We confuse the word and seek righteousness is a thing, but the consciousness of being is the magnet that draws a thing to it. Permeate your consciousness with the feeling of being the man, or woman, you want to be and your righteousness will bring it about. You cannot inherit Christianity, rather you adopt it. As you come into its inner conviction, you become clearer and more noble. Christ taught righteousness in his law of identical harvest saying, as a man sows, so shall he reap. Taken. Psychologically, a state of consciousness sown within the mind, will be harvest. Ed without as external events. And, in like manner, as long as you remain sow. In your present state of consciousness, you will continue to encounter similar events in your life. Walk conscious of the feeling that your wish is fulfilled, and you will never sin. More free books. Law of Attraction Haven be missing the experience of fulfillment. But you cannot turn away and return to your former state. We are all the prodigal son who went astray. But we are told that when he came to his senses he turned around and entered his fa. There's house, at which time he was given the fatted calf, the robe, and the ring. When you observe who you are in consciousness and come to your senses by turning to your father, the state desired, it will be given unto you. Watch your reactions to life and you will discover where you stand psychology. Callie. If your reactions are unlovely, you are walking in the mud and mire, feel. Ing the swine. But when you turn within to the father of all life and enter the state you desire by assuming its fulfillment, your actions will be lovely. Persist. And you will move out of the mud and mire and enter the kingdom of the wish. Fulfilled. There is no such thing as righteous indignation, for the wrath of man cannot work righteousness. Nothing so unlow.
To do this you must deny your present identity. Let him deny himself. You deny a thing by taking your attention away from it. To drop a thing, problem or ego from consciousness you dwell upon God God being I am. Be still and know that I am is God. Believe feel that I am, know that this. Knowing one within you, your awareness of being, is God. Close your eyes and feel yourself to be faceless, formless and without figure. Approach this stillness as though it were the easiest thing in the world to accomplish. This attitude will assure your success. When all thought of problem or self is dropped from consciousness. Because you are now absorbed or lost in the feeling of just being I am. Then begin in this formless state to feel yourself to be that which you desire to be, I am that I am. The moment you reach a certain degree of intensity so that you actually feel yourself to be a new conception, this new feeling or consciousness is established and in due time will personify itself in the world of form. This new perception will express itself as naturally as you now express your present identity. To express the qualities of a consciousness naturally you must dwell or live within that consciousness. Appropriate it by becoming one with it. To feel a thing intensely, and then rest confidently that it is, makes the thing felt appear within your world. I shall stand upon my watch and see the salvation of the Lord. I shall stand firmly upon my feeling, convinced that it is so, and see my desire appear. A man can receive nothing, no thing, except it be given him from heaven. Remember heaven is your consciousness, the kingdom of heaven is within you. This is why you are warned against calling any man. Father, your consciousness is the father of all that you are. Again you are told, salute no man on the highway. See no man is an authority. Why should you ask man for permission to express when you realize that your world, in its every detail, originated within you and is sustained by you as the only conceptional center? Your whole world may be likened to solidified space mirroring the beliefs and acceptances is projected by a formless, faceless presence, namely, I am. Reduce the whole to its primordial substance and nothing would remain but you, a dimensionless presence, the conceiver. The conceiver is a law apart. Conceptions under such law are not to be measured by past accomplishments or modified by present capacities for, without taking thought the conception in a way unknown to man expresses itself. Go within secretly and appropriate the new consciousness. Feel yourself to be it, and the former limitations shall pass away as completely and as easily as snow on a hot summer's day. You will not even remember the former limitations, they were never part of this new consciousness. This. Rebirth Jesus referred to when he said to Nicodemus, you must be born. Again, was nothing more than moving from one state of consciousness to another. Whatsoever ye shall ask in my name that will I do. This certainly does. Not mean to ask in words, pronouncing with the lips the sounds, God or Christ Jesus, for millions have asked in this manner without results. To feel yourself to be a thing is to have asked for that thing in his name. I am is the nameless presence. To feel yourself to be rich is to ask for wealth in his name. I am is unconditioned. It is neither rich nor poor, strong nor weak in other words, in him there is neither Greek nor Jew, bond nor free, male nor female. These are all conceptions or limitations of the limitless, and therefore names of the nameless. To feel yourself to be. Anything is to ask the nameless, I am, to express that name or nature. Ask whatsoever ye will in my name by appropriating the nature of the thing desired and I will give it unto you. I am he. For if ye believe not that I am, ye shall die in your sins. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. This is a hard saying. Things will disappear only as man changes in consciousness. Deny it if. 
you will, it still remains a fact that consciousness is the only reality and things but mirror that which you are in consciousness. So the heavenly state you are seeking will be found only in consciousness, for the kingdom of heaven is within you. As the will of heaven is ever done on earth you are today living in the heaven that you have established within you. For here on this very earth your heaven reveals itself. The kingdom of heaven really is at hand. Now is the accepted time. So create a new heaven, enter into a new state of consciousness and a new earth will appear. The former things shall pass away. They shall not be remembered, not come into mind anymore. For behold, I, your consciousness come quickly and my reward is with me. I am nameless but will take upon myself every name, nature, that you call me. Remember it is you, yourself, that I speak of as me. So every conception that you have of yourself that is every deep conviction is that which you shall appear as being for I am not fooled, God is not mocked. Now let me instruct you in the art of fishing. It is recorded that the disciples fished all night and caught nothing. Then Jesus came upon the scene groovy baby and told them to cast their nets in once more, into the same waters that only a moment before were barren and this time their nets were bursting with the catch. The story is taking place in the world today right within you, the reader. For you have within you all the elements necessary to go fishing. But until you find that Jesus Christ, your awareness, as Lord, you will fish, as did these disciples, in the night of human darkness. That is, you will fish for things thinking things to be real and will fish with the human bait which is a struggle and an effort trying to make contact with this one and that one, trying to coerce this being or the other being, and all such effort will be in vain. But when you discover your awareness of being to be Christ Jesus you will let him direct your fishing. And you will fish in consciousness for the things that you desire. For the desire will be the fish that you will catch, because your consciousness is the only living reality you will fish in the deep waters of consciousness. If you would catch that which is beyond your present capacity you must launch out into deeper waters, for, within your present consciousness such fish or desires cannot swim. To launch out into deeper waters, you leave behind you all that is now your present problem, or limitation, by taking your attention away from it. Turn your back completely upon every problem and limitation that you now possess. Dwell upon just being by saying, I am, I am, I am, to yourself. Continue to declare to yourself that you just are. Do not condition this declaration, just continue to feel yourself to be and without warning you will find yourself slipping the anchor that tied you to the shallow of your problems and moving out into the deep. This is usually accompanied with the feeling of expansion. You will feel yourself expand as though you were actually growing. Don't be afraid, for courage is necessary. You are not going to die to anything but your former limitations, but they are going to die as you move away from them, for this live only in your consciousness. In this deep or expanded consciousness you will find yourself to be a power that you had never dreamt of before. The things desired before you shoved off from the shores of limitation are the fish you are going to catch in this deep. Because you have lost all consciousness of your problems and barriers, it is now the easiest thing in the world to feel yourself to be one with the things desired. Because I am, your consciousness, is the resurrection and the life, you must attach this resurrecting power that you are to the thing desired if you would make it appear and live in your world. Now you begin to assume the nature. Know and am persuaded by the Lord Jesus that there is nothing unclean of itself, but to him that esteemeth anything to be unclean, to him it is unclean. Stop asking yourself whether you are worthy or unworthy to receive that which you desire. You, as man, did not create the desire. Your desires are ever fashioned within you because of what you now claim yourself to be. 
When a man is hungry, without thinking, he automatically desires food. When imprisoned, he automatically desires freedom and so forth. Your desires contain within themselves the plan of self-expression. So leave all judgments out of the picture and rise in consciousness to the level of your desire and make yourself one with it by claiming it to be so now. For, my grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Have faith in this unseen claim until the conviction is born within you that it is so. Your confidence in this claim will pay great rewards. Just a little while and he, the things desired, will come. But without faith it is impossible to realize anything. Through faith the worlds were framed because faith is the substance of the thing hoped for the evidence of the thing not yet seen. Don't be anxious or concerned as to results. They will follow just as surely as day follows night. Look upon your desires all of them as the spoken words of God, and every word or desire a promise. The reason most of us fail to realize our desires is because we are constantly conditioning them. Do not condition your desire. Just accept it as it comes to you. Give thanks for it to the point that you are grateful for having already received it then go about your way in peace. Such acceptance of your desire is like dropping seed fertile seed into prepared soil. For when you can drop the thing desired in consciousness, confident that it shall appear, you have done all that is expected of you. But to be worried or concerned about the how of your desire maturing is to hold these fertile seeds in a mental grasp, and, therefore, never to have dropped them in the soil of confidence. The reason men condition their desires is because they constantly judge after the appearance of being and see the things as real forgetting that the only reality is the consciousness back of them. To see things as real is to deny that all things are possible to God. The man who is imprisoned and sees his four walls as real is automatically denying the urge or promise of God within him of freedom. A question often asked when this statement is made is, if one's desire is a gift of God how can you say that if one desires to kill a man that such a desire is good and therefore God sent? In answer to this let me say that no man desires to kill another. What he does desire is to be freed from such a one. But because he does not believe that the desire to be free from such a one contains within itself the powers of freedom, he conditions that desire and sees the only way to express such freedom is to destroy the man forgetting that the life wrapped within the desire has ways that he, as man, knows not of. Its ways are past finding out. Thus man distorts the gifts of God through his lack of faith. Problems are the mountains spoken of that can be removed if one hobbit. The faith of a grain of a mustard seed. Men approach their problem as did the old lady who, on attending serve and hearing the priest say, If you had but the faith of a grain of a mustard seed you would say unto yonder mountain, Be thou removed, and it shall be removed and nothing is impossible to you. That night as she said her prayers, she quoted this part of the scriptures, and retired to bed in what she thought was faith. On arising in the morning she rushed to the window and exclaimed, I knew that old mountain would still be there, for this is how man approaches his problem. He knows that they are still going to confront him, and because life is no respecter of persons and destroys nothing, it continues to keep alive. Who is your imagination? I rest not from my great task. To open the eternal worlds, to open the immortal eyes of man inwards into the worlds of thought, into eternity, ever expanding in the bosom of God, the human imagination. Blake, Jerusalem. Certain words in the course of long use gather so many strange connotations that they almost cease to mean anything at all. Such a word is imagination. This word is made to serve all manner of ideas, some of them directly opposed to one another. Fancy, thought, hallucination, suspicion, indeed, so wide is its use and so varied its meanings, the word. Imagination has no status nor fixed significance. 
For example, we ask a man to use his imagination, meaning that his present outlook is too restricted and therefore not equal to the task. In the next breath we tell him that his ideas are pure imagination, thereby implying that his ideas are unsound. We speak of a jealous or suspicious person as a victim of his own imagination, meaning that his thoughts are untrue. A minute later, we pay a man the highest tribute by describing him as a man of imagination. Thus the word imagination has no definite meaning. Even the dictionary gives us no help. It defines imagination as 1. The picturing power. Or act of the mind, the constructive or creative principle. 2. A phantasm. 3. An irrational notion or belief. 4. Planning, plotting or scheming is involving mental construction. I identify the central figure of the Gospels with human imagination, the power which makes the forgiveness of sins, the achievement of our goals, inevitable. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made. That was made. There is only one thing in the world. Imagination, and all our deforma. Tions of it. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, and acquainted with grief. Imagination is the very gateway of reality. Man, said Blake, is either the ark of God or a phantom of the earth and of the water. Naturally he is only a natural organ subject to sense. The eternal body of man is the imagination, that is God himself, the divine body. Jesus, we are his members. I know of no greater and truer definition of the imagination than that of Blake. By imagination we have the power to be anything we desire to be. Through imagination we disarm and transform the violence of the world. Our most intimate as well as our most casual relationships become imaginative as we awaken to, the mystery hid from the ages, that Christ in us is our imagination. We then realize that only as we live by imagination can we truly be said to live at all. I want this book to be the simplest, clearest, frankest work I have the power to make it that I may encourage you to function imaginatively. That you may open your immortal eyes inwards into the worlds of thought where you behold every desire of your heart as ripe grain white all ready to harvest. I am come that they might have life, and that they might have it more abundantly. The abundant life that Christ promised us is ours to experience now, but not until we have the sense of Christ as our imagination can we expiry. Hence it, the mystery hid from the ages. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is your imagination. This is the mystery which I am ever striving to realize, more keenly myself and to urge upon others. Imagination is our Redeemer, the Lord from heaven, born of man but not begotten of man. Every man is Mary and birth to Christ must give. If the story of the Immaculate Conception and birth of Christ appears irrational to man, it is only because it is misread as biography, history, and cosmology, and the modern explorers of the imagination do not help by calling it the uncon. Sky is our subconscious mind. Imagination's birth and growth is the gradual transition from a god of tradition to a god of experience. If the birth of Christ in man seems slow, it is only because man is unwilling to let go the comfortable but false anchorage of tradition. Nabil, 